morning. How are you? It is so good to be in Southern California. <laughs> I grew up in Manhattan Beach and uh, never thought I'd leave. And yeah, since then I've been all over the world. <laughs> and every now and then I get to come back to Southern California. So I just feel so honored. And I'm so honored to be with Antioch here. I love Antioch. <laughs> And I've been with Antioch before there was an Antioch. It was a college church in a Baptist church in Waco, Texas. And they asked me to come speak one day. And then God just started moving and moving and moving. And now we have a bunch of Antioch churches all over the world. And I'm just so grateful for the friendships. I'm so grateful for how they have pointed me to Jesus and that we get to run together to run after Jesus. Amen. It is a privilege to be with you guys this morning and just talk about the goodness of God. You know, I grew up always knowing this word, the goodness of God, and that God is good. And over time, I've realized that's probably not the best way to say it. But a better way is that God is really good. <laughs> And time goes on, and I realize, well, that's maybe not the best way to say it either. Maybe a better way is that God is really, really good. <laughs> Deep theology. <laughs> Add another really. <laughs> Isn't that what we want? We just want to believe, and we want to know that God is really, 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 really good. <laughs> And I stand here today to tell you that he really is. He really is. I'm blessed with a wonderful family. <clears throat> uh, my older sister started getting a heart for missions, and she's now lived for over 30 years in India. I got involved and, and got a big heart for missions, and I lived for 10 years in Afghanistan. And then I went to... I ran and I went to prison, but I got out. <laughs> you probably figured that since I'm standing here. And then I've been working at uh, training centers with YWAM in Southern Colorado, and now I'm working in Kona, Hawaii, which is the main training center in YWAM in North America. And you know when you walk with God, like you're sometimes wrestling, did God say something? Is that God? Is that not God? You know, it's a journey for us, isn't it? When I felt like God told me to go to Hawaii, I felt peace right away. <laughs> you know, I just like, okay, God, I'll obey. <laughs> so I had to obey, you know. Uh, and then my younger sister, she got involved in missions, and she's been working in northern India for 25 years, raising her family there. So all the three kids got involved in missions, and then... Uh, then there's my mom and dad, and they're like, well, if we ever want to see our kids, we got to do missions. <laughs> so they joined. <clears throat> and I love my parents. I love to honor them. My dad's no longer with us. But when he was with us, someone came to him one day like, isn't it hard? Your three kids are so far away and all over the world. And he goes, yeah, I got a regret. I just wish I would have had 10 kids so they all could be missionaries. <laughs> I'm like, Dad, why don't you want us around? <laughs> My mom is a really wonderful, godly lady as well. 
When she found out that I was in prison in Iran, in the first public prayer meeting, this is what she prayed. God, I pray that Dan is not released from prison until all of your purposes are fulfilled. I'm like, thanks, Mom. I'm glad somebody else was praying. <laughs> I might still be there. But my parents have always pushed me to Jesus, and I love it. And I'm so honored. I could tell you so many stories about the goodness of God today. But I, I want to tell you just a few stories. And one was how it all started. It actually started here in Southern California. But I grew up in a church where Christianity was in here and it wasn't in here. And how do you get Christianity from just a head knowledge to an actual relationship? I didn't know how to do that. And then a guy came to my church, it was right here in the mountains in Big Bear, and what he said, little did I know that it would change my life then, that it would continue to change my life even to this day. And this is what he said. He said, everything you want to do for God needs to come from intimacy with God. Everything you want to do for God needs to come from intimacy with God. He said it over and over again, and I remember taking that afternoon off, and I found a river and started throwing some rocks in the river, just minding my own business. And then I started to think about it, like, how do you get intimacy with God? Like, how does that work? And then I heard this voice in my head, and it was a form of a question. Hey, Dan, can I throw rocks with you? And I'm like, what was that? <laughs> so I kept thinking, how do you get intimacy with God? How does friendship with God translate outside of a church service, like into my everyday life? How does friendship with God translate, not just from some guy standing in front, but in where I live and where I work and where I hang out? And then I heard it again. Hey, Dan, can I throw rocks with you? And I'm like, what was that? And this went on for a, for a while, and I kept hearing that question. So I finally started to think and analyze it, like, where is that coming from, you know? I don't think it's the devil. He wants to throw rocks at us, you know, <laughs> not with us. And it's not me unless I'm going psycho, you know? But it can't be God. No, it can't be God. God's great, you know? He's out there, and he's wonderful, and me throwing rocks is Dan's little random world, like... Why would he care, you know? He's only really interested in the big stuff, you know? Why would he care? Anyway, I kept going, and I kept hearing that question. So I finally stopped, and I looked up to Jesus, and I said, Yes, Jesus, is that you? Yes, you can throw rocks with me. But why? Why would you want to do that? And that's when I felt like God looked right into my heart and said, Because you want to. I'm like, that's it? He's <laughs> like, that's it. And for the first time in my life, I began to find out that Jesus was crazy in love with me. He wasn't just in love with who I would become. He wasn't just in love with what I would do for him. No, the God of the universe was crazy in love with Dan. If Dan wanted to go for a walk, he wanted to go for a walk. If Dan wanted to go shopping, he wanted to go shopping. <laughs> If Dan wanted to throw rocks, he wanted to throw rocks. Why? To make sure he's doing something holy or spiritual? No, simply because he enjoys his company. What do you do with a God that enjoys your company? 
oh my gosh, I didn't like me. Why would God like me? It was on that day that I began to discover the unconditional love of God, that God really, really, really loved me. Not just some guy who might be someday. No, he liked me. He liked me for me, you know? And what I did not know is that that would be a continual journey throughout my life. I meet so many people, and I meet two kinds of Christians as I travel. There's those that are living for the Father's approval and those that are living from the Father's approval. There's those that are like, if I just do a little bit more, God will be happy with me. If I just do this, and there's those that are discovering, you know what, it's done. <laughs> he loves us, and we get to live our whole life from that reality. As I begin to discover more and more the love of God, many days it's like this. Jesus, good morning. <laughs> what do you want me to do today? <laughs> and often this is what Jesus says. Dan, it's good to see you. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. But first, here's more of my love. <laughs> and then life goes on, and I'm like, okay, God, got it. You love me, okay. What do you want me to do today? And Jesus is like, Dan, good to see you. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that later. But first, here's more of my love. And life goes on, and I'm like, okay, God, I got it. You love me. But what should I do? <laughs> and Jesus is like, Dan, good to see you. We'll talk about that later. But first, here's more of my love. Like the love of God is an unending ocean. It never ends. When I'm 90 years old, I want to be in an old people's home. <laughs> I love those places. <laughs> Get to be with your friends every day. <laughs> Get to learn their name every day. <laughs> Those places are awesome. And when I'm 90 and I get out of bed, I think it's going to be like this. Jesus, what should I do today? And he's going to be like, Dan, good to see you, buddy. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But here's more of my love. <laughs> God is crazy about us. He's not just crazy about who we might be someday. No, he likes us right now. And the Christian life is a wonderful journey of discovering the goodness of God again and again and again. Throughout my life, I've been so privileged to travel the world and do many different things around the world and discover the goodness of God again and again and again. Discover how much he loves me, not only in easy times, but hard times. For sure, my time in prison was definitely one of the hardest times in my life. But what I didn't know would be a wonderful discovery again of how much Jesus loves me and how good he is. I had two death sentences on my life. One for being a spy, one for being a missionary in Iran. And yet, nine weeks later, Jesus released me and he got me out. <laughs> Why? Because he's really, really good really good. I've had so many experiences, but as I prayed about this morning, I felt specifically to share with you a more very recent experience I've had to see the goodness of God, and it has to do with an accident that I had about 21 months ago, less than two years ago. 
I live in Hawaii, and Hawaii, we have different islands. And one of the islands that me and my buddies were talking about going for a hike was the island of Kauai. And we checked it out. It seemed like a sweet spot that we could go for a sweet hike. I, what, what I tell you now is something that I have only been told by others because I continue to have five weeks of memory loss. But me and my friends went for an 11-mile hike, and it was three or four miles in where I had a crazy accident. I fell about 45 feet off a cliff. As I fell off the cliff, there was stone all the way down to a bush right before the water, and that's where I landed. My friends with me, one was my nephew and one was his buddy, they actually didn't see me fall. They were maybe half a minute behind me on that trail. Again, in a rural part of the island, there was no cell phone coverage or anything. They came around the edge, and they're looking for me, and that's when they started screaming my name and couldn't find me. And that's when they saw my feet down below under a bush. They ran down. As they ran down, they realized I had... I had broken through my cerebellum and my brain. I, my skull was fully open from here all the way to here. I ended up losing over 60% of my blood from that crazy brain injury. So they started to freak out. God's miracle began to happen as my nephew decided to hold my head together to keep the blood inside. It was his other buddy who had to run for help. Where do you find help in that remote place? He ran three or four miles back along the trail to find someone who would know of a helicopter company. So they finally found one. The helicopter finally came. They lowered a basket and got me in it. The island of Kauai doesn't have really trauma surgical units, so I had to go to the main island, Oahu, and there was the only hospital that I could actually have an operation that I needed. They got me on the operating table. They got me in. They came out, and the senior doctor came to my nephew and his friend and said, it's too late. Dan's not going to make it. He lost way too much blood, over 60, 65%. And he has less than an hour to live. And today, here I stand. <laughs> uh, that's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. For two weeks, I was unconscious. All the tubes and everything coming out, being fed by one tube. I couldn't eat. Unconscious. Every night, the nurse would go to my friends or family and say, we don't think he'll make it through the night. And this was the process. After two weeks, all of a sudden, though, all of a sudden, this leg starts to twitch. My friends and families are freaking out, and then this leg starts to twitch, and then this arm starts to twitch, and all of a sudden, there's maybe hope, maybe hope. With that came uh, more and more awakeness. They started thinking, well, maybe he will live. The doctor told very clearly to my family, if he does live, he will be a vegetable the rest of his life. He will never be able to talk. He will never be able to think normal. He will never have normal life skills because of the injury. And life went on and life went on, and they just started seeing more good things. 
And then there came a point where, yeah, I was growing, getting better and better. And then they started talking about rehab, that maybe Dan could do rehab and maybe it could help him, even though we're not hopeful. And I'll never forget that journey as I still don't have much memory. But they told me about the very first time I communicated. I couldn't talk, but I was getting some skill back into my arms. And the first time I communicated, I was in my room, and I saw a whiteboard over there. And I pointed. <laughs> they brought it to me, and they brought me a pen. And the first word I wrote down was the word food. <laughs> and the second word I wrote down was the word now. <laughs> and they brought me food. And life went on. Such a crazy miracle. And then it led towards my acceptance to get to a place called Craig in Denver, Colorado, the number one brain trauma uh, <clears throat> place for getting better there in Denver. And it's the number one, I guess, in America. I was number 93 on a waiting list, and I got accepted. <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> Jesus. And before I went to the rehab place came my very first memory. And I'll never forget my first memory. Youth with a Mission has a founder. He's 82. His name is Lauren Cunningham. I knew him well. And it was him visiting me that was the actual re, 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 so to speak, of my brain. It came back. And that's the first memory that I ever, ever had during this time. He came in, and as he came in, he, he came down to the lobby area. They brought me down in my wheelchair. At that point, my legs didn't work. This arm didn't work. I broke two things in my back. I had broken parts of my shoulder. I had no eyesight on my left side because of this whole side I'd busted the seventh nerve. I had pain up and down here. And that was the first time anyone saw me outside of just my bedroom. He came, we went down, we sat down, and that's my first memory. He looks at me and he says this. He says, Dan, I want you to know that this is crazy and this rehab thing, yeah, we don't know if it'll help, but we do think it's right. So go to that rehab center in Colorado. And when you go... Be aware that I think when you first get there, God's going to use the situation to, to break you more. But just lean into Jesus, and even though you feel broken, God's going to be with you. And then as I looked at him, it seemed like there was even a shift in his face, and he looked at me and he prophesied over me. He said, Dan, but you need to know something, that Satan has tried to kill you, and he is going to lose. And when this is done, Dan, you will travel to more countries than you ever have. You will speak to more young people than you ever have. And when this is done, you are going to see the goodness of God. And Satan has tried to kill you, but God is going to raise you back up so you can tell people about Jesus. And I'm just weeping and weeping and weeping. <laughs> oh. A few days later, I'm there in Denver. 
The first day I'm on the third floor, and that's when this time of being broken really became very real. The first night I'm there and I'm lying in my bed, again, both of my legs have no feeling, nothing in them. This arm has nothing in it. My face is not in a good place at all. I couldn't see out of my left eye. And I remember lying there in that bed. What they had done is tied my arms to the railing to make sure I wouldn't have any other injuries from, you know, accidental swaling around or something. And then they put a netting around the bed, fully tight netting all around the bed so that I couldn't get out. And the zipper to the netting was on the other side of the netting. And I remember that first night I lied there and I looked up to God and I said this. I said, God, I've given you my life for 30 years. And maybe I haven't been perfect, but I don't know if I've been that bad either. But this, God, this, I haven't demanded a lot in my life, God. I haven't demanded a lot. But the one thing I thought would always be kind of normal, like the one thing I could have in life would be that my legs would work. And now, God, what are you doing? You've taken away my ability to walk for the rest of my life. Like, what are you doing? And my heart broke, exactly what Lauren had said. And I'll never forget that moment as I yelled at God, I could see the anger and the pride in my heart coming out of my lips. It was an ugly night. I slowly drifted off asleep, and I'll never forget the next day. It was about 11 in the morning, and wonderful Jesus, he came to me. And this is what he said. He said, hi, Dan. I said, hi. I said, I really don't want to talk right now. He's like, Dan, no, I just want you to know this. I like you. I really like you. And I want you to know that I'll take care of you, and this will be over, and I will show you my goodness. God loved me, okay, yeah, he's kind of supposed to, right? He's God, you know? But like me? Nah, nah. I just yelled at him the night before. <laughs> like, I don't think he likes me right now. And on that day, I discovered that God likes me that he still likes me, <laughs> that he's still for me, that he still believes in me. He hadn't counted that sin against me that I committed the night before against me forever. No, he was just with me and liked me. Uh, as I repented before God, as I lied there, the joy and peace of God flooded my soul, and it's been with me ever since. Oh, that's who Jesus is. And I'll never forget the next day. I'm lying in my bed, and all of a sudden I had many therapists, and I finally got to see my first therapist come into the room who was specifically going after my movement in my legs. A guy named Wes. Shorter guy, he was stocky, he was strong, you could tell. And he walks in, African-American guy, and he looks at me and he goes, Dan, I want to talk to you about your legs. At this point, my speech was slowly coming back, and I looked at him and go, yeah, what, what, what's up with that? He goes, Dan, I got a proposition for you. I'm like, what do you mean? 
He goes, Dan, if you give me two months of your life, I promise you I'll get you walking again. And I looked at him and I said, Wes, what are you talking about? <laughs> this doesn't work. This doesn't work. Like how? He goes, yeah, Dan, it'll be a lot of work. Where you're going to have to do what I say every day, but you give me too much, you'll be walking again. And I'm like, Wes, thank you for saying that, but why me? Like, there's all these other patients, and how do you believe in me? And Wes looked at me, and he said this. He said, Dan, I've seen your papers. I've seen what you've done with your life. You've been to over 100 countries and talked about Jesus all over the world. It seems like you're really religious. <laughs> and he goes, I'm not. I'm not religious. But I want you to know, Dan, I think it's really good that you are. And I want you to know, Dan, it would be my honor and privilege to get you walking again. And if you give me two months, you're going to be able to walk. And you're going to go to more countries than you ever have. You're going to tell more people about Jesus than you ever have. And I would love to get you there. And I'm just weeping and weeping. And he's like, what does that mean? And I'm like, it means yes. He's like, yes. I said, yeah, I'll do whatever you tell me. He's like, really? I said, yeah. He's like, okay, when do we start? I said, right now. He's like, get in the wheelchair. I'm like, I can't move. He's like, sorry, sorry, sorry. He calls a nurse, gets me in the wheelchair. He takes me to the room where they would always do a lot of the massaging at the beginning of this whole journey. After six weeks, I went in for my daily session with him, an hour and a half every day. As they got me onto the mat, and towards the end of the session, he's like, all right, Dan, we're going to go back to your room. I'm like, all right, give me my wheelchair. He goes, no, Dan, today we're going to start with a walker. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, no, you can, you can do a walker. You can do it. I'm like, are you serious? I don't need the wheelchair. He goes, no, we're going to use a walker. That was after six weeks. And I'm like, uh, okay. And for two weeks, I never used a wheelchair again, just the walker. Then it was the eighth week I walk in there. And when we're done, he's like, all right, let's go back to your room. I'm like, all right, give me the walker. He's like, nah, today you don't need a walker. I'm like, what? What do I have? He goes, just time to walk. And I've been walking ever since. We serve a God who does miracles. I have seven quantifiable miracles in my situation. The doctor does not know what to do. And all I know is that Jesus is really, really, really good. Yeah. One day they came in to do massage on my upper body. And as they came in to do massage on my upper body, <clears throat> the occupational therapist said, yeah, we want to do that today. And I said, yeah, but what about the ribs? And she goes, oh, your seven broken ribs. I said, yeah, you, you know, it's, it's there. She's like, Oh, you didn't see yesterday's x-ray? I'm like, no. She goes, oh, your seven broken ribs are totally normal. <laughs> I'm like, can you say that once more time? 
She's like, yeah, your seven broken ribs are totally normal. I'm like, good to know. <laughs> I walked into that rehab center and the senior doctor, the number two brain surgeon in the USA who runs the place, he came up to me and he said, sir, you're going to be here for a minimum of nine months. After six weeks, he comes up to me and said, Sir, we've never seen such a quick healing. You're going to leave after two and a half months. Ha <laughs> ha, that's who Jesus is. As I was there, God began to do so much healing in me. He began to just share his love with all the other patients as well. And I remember I'm just getting bad, and I'm like, God, what about all these other patients? Don't you like them too? He goes, oh yeah, I really do. And I'm like, can I love them? He's like, please, love them. And I got to share the love of Jesus with all these amazing patients. That's who Jesus is. He wasn't just interested in me. He was loving and interested in all of them too. Ah. Uh, I look back to that time at rehab as the best three months, two months of my life with Jesus. How does that work? I couldn't walk. I did not know if I'd have my full speech back. I did not know if I could ever travel again, if I could ever have normal motor skills. I did not know where things were going. And as I lied in that bed after that first few days of God just really going after my heart, I began to realize, man, I just want to know more about God. And I kept staring at my circumstances. I'm like, Jesus, if you make me better, then I'll be happy. And yet the circumstances were okay. There were signs of hope. But yeah, I was still unable to walk, still couldn't do anything. And I remember in those first few days of that rehab time, God began to challenge me, Dan, am I still who I am? And I'm like, God, I want to look at life through the grid of who you really are, not through the grid of my circumstances. And I'll never forget it. I began to start worshiping the God every morning. And I got my favorite songs. And for about two hours every morning, I just started worshiping Jesus. I did not care what my circumstances looked like. I wanted my heart to be run by the truth of who he was. And as life went on and life went on, I started to see a change in my heart. Joy started to grow. Hope started to grow. My circumstances were still bleak, but I began to see that God was better than I thought. That he really was better good than, that's not even a word, more good than I was, could ever have known before. That he really, really, really was good. That the goodness of God was greater than I'd experienced. And I look back at that time as the best time of my life with Jesus. Because circumstances don't have to define our time with God. He just really loves us. And the more we discover how much he likes us, ha ha, watch out. Because he really does. And life went on. Oh, life went on. They let me go bowling one day. I'll never forget that. As I started to get my skills back, they finally let me join this recreation day. And the first day they let me join was a day for bowling. <laughs> I've been bowling in many years. <laughs> and so I went. It was my first time to go outside and look at the sky. My first time to go out and, and walk a few steps. 
And there were 11 patients and 11 doctors and nurses, and we all got to the bowling alley. And one of the big realities of having brain injury is the whole deal of balance and how, how how's that going to affect your life. And so for bowling, man, they would give me a ball, and then they wanted me to walk up to the line, and as I walked up to the line, then throw the ball. Well, I didn't do terrible, but I definitely didn't do very good. <laughs> Because as I walked to the line, I just got all this balance issues, and I finally threw it. And yeah, I got an 82 or something. <laughs> Not terrible, but when I was done, our head guy who was running the show that day looks at all the patients and says, who wants a second game? And we're all like, we do. And I'm sitting there waiting for the second game to start. And wonderful Jesus started to speak to my heart. You know, God really likes us. He doesn't just like the spiritual parts of us. He likes our lives. He likes to do life with us. It's one of the things that I've been discovering and walking with God for many years. And as I'm sitting there, I felt like God speak to me, Dan, you can do better than 82. <laughs> And I'm laughing. I'm sitting in the chair laughing like, uh, God, yeah, you know my issue is the, the balance. He's like, yeah, but you can do better than 82. And I'm like, okay, God, what do you suggest? And he's like, the problem is the walk to the line, isn't it? I'm like, yeah. He's like, Dan, you're with 11 other patients. Forget the walk to the line. They won't care. And I'm like thinking, that's true, actually. They won't care. And then I felt like God's like, Dan, what if you just throw the ball without walking to the line? This arm at that point was totally normal. It never got injured. And that's where I was holding the ball. What if you just throw the ball without walking to the line? You could throw it straight. And I'm sitting in the chair laughing like, why would God care about bowling? <laughs> but when I was thinking this stuff, I'm like, man, it makes sense. It doesn't hurt to try it. So I just stood at the line, and I threw it, and it, I could throw it totally straight. <laughs> and I ended up with a 173. <laughs> and I had other patients coming up to me, how'd you get so good? <laughs> I'm like, I'm not very good. No, 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 I'm not bowling with you again. You're good. And I ended with like six strikes in a row. <laughs> Why would God care about everyday life? Because he likes us. He likes us when we're working on our car. He likes us when we're going shopping. He likes us when we got to get something at the store. He likes us when we're taking care of our kids. He likes us when we're at school. He just likes us. And the more I discover that in my life, man, it just gets better and better. Because he's not a God who's far off. He's a God who wants to join us. And life went on. I finally got to go back and leave. It's a beautiful day, beautiful day. And I got to go back home to Hawaii. I continued there with rehab, but more rehab and learning how to do life again. Walking and talking and sitting around. And, and as it started growing, I started exercising. I got into CrossFit. <laughs> ah, life is so funny. I never crossed it before, but then I had a guy who was like, I'll coach you, and I'm like, okay. And that just better and better and better and better. 
I slowly got to speak. I slowly got to travel. And God just started opening doors. This last fall, I got to travel for three months straight. I got to go to 11 nations all around the world. That's who Jesus is. Next Monday, I'm going back to Afghanistan where I used to work. I'm going back to share with people there at the hospital about a God, how good he really is. I'm traveling and speaking and doing all the things I used to do. And as I've been praying for you guys today and thinking about this chance to share with this, if God can do that to me, he can do it for you. He can open a door where there seems to be no door. He can make things better when there doesn't seem to be any ways better. We serve a God who really, really, really likes us. And if he can rescue me from that time of injury and give me life again, he can do that for any of us. Amen. Amen. Let's pray.